Well, good morning, church. So glad that you guys are here. Uh, my name is Tyler, and I am the director of student ministries here at Edinburgh Church. Um, and we just want to welcome you that are watching online. Uh, full confession, we have people in the building. Like, you, you guys are here, right? You guys, yeah? We're super excited. Uh, we have some people in the building. We have our staff and our volunteers here in the building with us uh, because as a church, we're walking through our regathering plan and our safety steps and things like that to be able to regather. So I am excited to announce to tell you guys that next week, June 14th, we will begin regathering as a church physically here in this building. But with saying that, with saying that, uh, that does not mean that church at home is going anywhere. Uh, because we're going to continue to do church at home. For those of you that feel uh, that you just need to stay home for a while longer, we totally understand. We don't want to pressure anybody into uh, coming back if you're not comfortable with that. And so we're not going anywhere for uh, the uh, church at home. Now, with the regathering for the 14th, starting next week, we are asking that we, you go on to myedinbrook.org and fill out a reservation just so we know who's coming to what services to make sure that we stay within the guidelines that are put down by the state and just for wisdom and safety. And so if you can go to myedinbrook.org, under there you'll see a thing there that says regathering plan. Go ahead and go into that and uh, just put your name in there because we're excited to regather wisely and safely to be able to come together and be the church uh, uh, in physically in the building like, like where we and see other people. Um, I know the first time that I finally got to like see people, I wasn't entirely sure what to do. I felt like I kind of, I don't know, it was weird. It was weird. So uh, I'm also excited to let you guys know about our VBS coming up. Our kids team has been working super hard. Nancy and Tammy and their team have been working hard to create an unbelievable, awesome experience for you and your kids. Um, although it is not going to look like what it maybe normally looks like, it's still going to be an unbelievable experience. And we want to encourage you, again, go to myedinbrook.org. You can find the tab there for VBS and you can register. We encourage you to register by this Wednesday so we can make sure that we have have all the supplies that you need to be able to get that. Uh, and there's a minimal cost just uh, to cover some things. You get a CD, you get different things like that. And so I want to encourage you to go on to myandbrook.org and register uh, before Wednesday. Church, will you pray with me uh, as we ask God to fill this place and to come into here with his presence? God, uh, we just ask that you you would fill this place. You would fill the living rooms that people are watching this. Maybe it's the bedroom Maybe it's the bathroom, let's be honest. God, we just pray that you would fill you, us with your Holy Spirit. You would join us together in unity as we come together to worship you, as we come together to learn from you and your word. God, I pray that these would be your words and not my words. And God, forgive me for saying bathroom on the stage. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. We're in week two of our series called Hashtag Blessed, uh, and we've been looking at a section in the Bible called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are found in Matthew 5, right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount sometimes is called the greatest sermon ever preached, uh, probably because it's by the greatest man ever to live, and that was Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount was preached by Jesus uh, that he, he gave out. Now, it's important that we read the Beatitudes in their proper context. Because the Beatitudes are Jesus speaking to his followers, speaking to people, speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them directions on what it's going to be like to live within the kingdom of God. What it's going to be like to live within the kingdom of God. And he's preparing his friends for this reality of what that's going to look like. And if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to seek first the kingdom of God. We are called to be prepared to live within the kingdom of God. We're called to walk in the reality of God's kingdom, not our own kingdom, and not the kingdom of this world, but God's 
kingdom. That's where we're called to walk. So we cannot read the Beatitudes from our own human understanding. Does it make sense? We can't read the Beatitudes from our own understanding. We've called this series hashtag blessed uh, because there's a, there's a hashtag that people oftentimes use is hashtag blessed in things to, to show prosperity or d- different things. And we believe that Jesus actually flips the idea of what the world says blessed is and he takes it and he flips it upside down. Now, not saying that, that God doesn't bless us in different ways and things like that, but within the kingdom, Jesus is saying that blessing is not what the world looks like. It looks like this. It looks like this. And what Jesus is saying here is the world's idea of blessing is not what he's talking about. Jesus is talking about spiritual prosperity. Spiritual prosperity. This is spiritual prosperity that comes from a right relationship with God. So when Jesus is talking about blessed are... He is giving us all a roadmap of how we as Christians can walk within the kingdom of God. How we can walk in spiritual prosperity. That's what Jesus is saying when he's talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And I don't know about you, but myself, I want to walk in spiritual prosperity. I want to walk I want to walk in God's kingdom. I want to seek first the kingdom of God because I've seen the kingdoms of this world. I've seen the kingdoms of men and what they cause and what they do and the pain and the destruction that they cause. I want to walk in the kingdom of God. I want to walk in spiritual prosperity. I want to walk in the kingdom of God. Last week, Pastor Josh preached on blessed are the poor in spirit. And he emphasized this need that we have to be dependent on God. I don't know about you, but uh, through this whole COVID-19 and the tragedy of George Floyd and, and all these things, I have needed to depend on God for my comfort, for my, the answers in, in times of confusion. And this week, we're going to look at the passage that comes from Matthew 5, 4, which is this. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Okay, Now, we can read this, and it can be a little confusing. We can read it, and if we take it at face value, like last week, Josh talked about how being blessed means to be happy or to be satisfied, or or, or what is that? How, How can it be a blessing to mourn? It seems like a bit of an oxymoron. It seems like they don't go together. I think we need to break down what it means to mourn, what we mean by mourning. And I think there are three different kinds of mourning that we see throughout the Bible. And so I want to I break these down, and then I want to give you examples of a couple of these things from the Bible where we see mourning. And these three kinds of mourning are natural mourning, sinful mourning, and godly mourning. Okay? So natural mourning. Natural mourning is the grief that we express when we lose something or someone. There's all kinds of different levels to natural mourning, right? We can have natural mourning for things like, oh, I lost my favorite shirt, or to, to the extreme, I lost a loved one. And there's, there's this idea of natural mourning is the idea of losing something or someone. And I believe that most people in life will experience natural mourning. And natural mourning is a difficult thing, but it is extremely healing. It's actually, I would say, the grieving process is actually necessary for healing. And so mourning, natural mourning, is a, is a, is a thing that is, it's a struggle, it's a pain, but it's, it's a good thing. It's a part of how God allows us to heal. And natural mourning, although it's difficult, dealing with the pain and loss, uh, it's oftentimes thrust upon us by tragedy or by life circumstances, Okay? Things that happen in our lives. But this is not the mourning that Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. And here's why. 
The reason he's not talking about this is, is Jesus calls us in the Beatitudes to chase after the things in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We're called to chase after that. Blessed are those who mourn. We're called to chase after that. Jesus is not saying we need to chase after tragedy, okay? He's not saying that. That, that, that will come because we live in a fallen world. That will come because we're living in times that, that, that tragedy happens. So while he's not calling us to natural mourning in this passage particularly right here, he's also not saying that, that it's a sin, Okay? It's not a sin to naturally mourn. Grieving is a good thing. It's a thing that we need to do. It's not a sin. Jesus wept. It's the shortest passage in the Bible. Jesus wept. He shows us how to, what, how to express sorrow and how to grieve. And so the, this form of mourning, natural mourning, is not sinful. But I do believe there is a sinful form of mourning. Now you might be like, okay, what, what does sinful mourning mean? What does it mean to sinfully mourn? And if I had to put it in simple terms, I would say it's this form of covetedness or this form of pouting. We see Jonah do this. When Nineveh doesn't get destroyed, Jonah is mad at God because he didn't get what he wanted. So he gets mad at God. He sits under a tree and he pouts. And that's a form of mourning, because, but it's it, it, it entailed with he didn't get what he wants. Now, let me be clear, okay? This isn't disappointment. I think disappointment is a real thing, and we can feel disappointment, but it's when it moves into this place of resentment, resentment towards God, resentment towards other people. It leads to bitterness. It leads to, to, to anger. It leads to these places, and, and oftentimes leads us to hopelessness. This morning is not the morning that God is calling us to. Maybe uh, we, we mourn because we wanted a job or a promotion and someone else got it, and it leads us to bitterness. It leads us to anger. It leads us to these ill feelings towards other people. Maybe we see somebody else on a, yet another vacation on Instagram. I'm guilty of this one, just for the record. And it leads us to this place of, of, of ill feelings or poor feelings, okay? And the Bible says that this type of mourning actually leads to death because it lacks Repentance. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the kind of sorrow, or you can put in here mourning, that God wants from us, experience, or wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret in this kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, or sinful mourning, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. See, sinful mourning is a killer. Resentment, bitterness is like a poison in our veins that leads to death because it lacks repentance. This is not the kind of mourning that Jesus is calling us to here in the Beatitudes. So then it brings us to the third one, godly mourning. This passage in Corinthians says that godly sorrow that we are supposed to have or the godly mourning is the kind that we should seek. Why? Because it leads us to repentance. It leads us to repentance. And there is no regret in this kind of sorrow. A godly mourning that leads us into repentance is a good form of mourning. And this is the mourning that God is calling us to here in this beatitude. Now, unfortunately, our world has taken the word repentance and kind of turned it into a dirty word. Nobody likes to talk about the bad things in our life. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to focus on the, the, the things inside of our hearts that we try to, to hide or to keep hidden or whatever. And we bought into this lie that if we live just pretty good lives and we garnish a little bit of Jesus on it, we'll be fine. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying if we want to be spiritually rich, 
spiritually prosperous. If we want to experience spiritual prosperity, we must mourn. Over what? Over what? Our sin. We need to mourn over our sin. And not only mourn, but that grief over our sin needs to lead us to repentance, to change direction. That's what repentance means, to stop what we're doing and go the other way. In the Old Testament, it talks about a redirection in your life. In the New Testament, it talks about a renewing of your mind, a retraining of our mind. That is what repentance is. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if we confess and turn from them, we will receive mercy. We're called to mourn over our sins. I'm going to say something that might be really hard for us to hear this week, or just in general. And I've wrestled this week in in this message and, and writing it, and I've procrastinated and I've wrestled with God and, and everything and I didn't if I'm completely honest I did not want to preach this message this week but God keep putting, kept putting this on my heart we should weep over our sins we should weep over our sins our sins should wreck us we should stop and do a deep dive into our hearts and identify the things in our life that God calls out and says this is not okay the things that God hates in our life it should wreck us that is what the gospel does the gospel wrecks our hearts so that it can be reconciled to Christ it can be reconciled it should wreck us and that wrecking should lead us to repentance that wrecking should lead us to repentance When is the last time that you allowed the gospel? When is the last time that I allowed the gospel of Jesus and the grief over my sin to wreck me? When's the last time? Because let me tell you, it's an uncomfortable experience. But church, I believe we need to become comfortably uncomfortable to wrestle with our sin. Because hear me when I say this, when we truly mourn over our sin, when God breaks our heart over our sin and our rebellion against God, that is where real change happens. That is where real change happens. The last week and a half, two weeks, I struggled to write this message. Not because I don't think it's relevant to our life, I think it's really relevant to our life. And God has been wrecking my life this past week, week and a half, two weeks. He's been calling me into repentance. He's been calling me. He's brought up these feelings and these things in my heart that have surfaced, that have forced me to deal with things. May 25th, George Floyd died 20 minutes. He was murdered 20 minutes from my house. 20 minutes from my driveway. A man who God dearly loves a man created in the image of God, Imago Dei is how it is said. Imago Dei, we, he was killed 20 minutes from my house. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ, people who are made in the image of God, who have been crying out for people to partner with them, to hear them, to love them, to walk with them, to stand with them. And I, me, too often times have turned away. 
I've turned off my social media. I've tried to justify or rationalize or explain away. I've made it political. I've tried to make it not personal, but that's the problem. Is, is, it, it is personal to so many people that God loves, that God knows by name. He knows the very amount of hair on their head created in the image of God. And we are called to love. Now, to be clear, it wasn't something necessarily that I did, okay? It's what I didn't do that caused me to mourn this week. James 4.17 says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Sometimes we want to just bring sin down to this idea that it's just the bad things that we do. No, it's the things we don't do too. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So what haven't I done? Isaiah 1.17, learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of the widows. So church, hear me. I repent. I'm sorry. I've repented before God. I have gone to God for repentance. I have gone to God to say, God, give me your words. Help me to understand. I don't want to be influenced by culture. I don't want to be influenced by the media. I don't want to be influenced by by whatever. I want to be influenced by your love. I want to be influenced by who you are, Jesus. I want that to flow out of me to my brothers and sisters in Christ, people of color. I ask that you forgive me. My heart has been ripped out this week. I have mourned. I've been writing this message about mourning. And I have to stop writing because my heart is broken. Because there are people, Imago Dei, people made in the image of God, who I am called to love, and I have neglected that. Maybe for you, it's maybe not the same struggle, okay? We all struggle with sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe it's something else. Maybe your sin that you need to mourn over is lust. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's infidelity. Maybe it's self-righteousness. All of these things Jesus is calling us to mourn over, that it should break our hearts, that we should return to him. I could go on and on, but we are called to mourn over our sins. And if we are in Christ Jesus and his Holy Spirit reveals areas of our life that we need to repent of, we need to repent of it. Because that's how we find spiritual prosperity. That's how we find life. That's how we walk in reconciliation. That's how we walk in step with the Spirit. That's how we walk in the light because Jesus is the light and there is no darkness in him. There is no place for these things. Lust, racism, hatred, anger, bitterness, self-righteousness. Those things do not belong in the kingdom of God. We are called to walk into the light. So what are we supposed to do with this morning? How do we react to it? What are we supposed to do? When we mourn, we really have two ways we can react to it. Two ways that we can go about it. When we come face to face with our sin, when we begin to deal with our sin, two options. We can go to sinful mourning or we can go to godly mourning. Sinful mourning or godly mourning. When we come face to face, we look at it. We can be tempted to be filled with shame and guilt. And shame and guilt can lead us down a path that I don't believe that any of us should go. 
See, I don't believe that when we come face to face with our sin, we should move towards shame and guilt because I believe shame and guilt are tools of Satan to keep us where we are. Shame and guilt is the language of Satan. But true mourning and grief, the kind that Jesus is calling us to here in the Beatitudes, is meant to lead us to repentance. Our sin should not lead us to shame and to guilt. If that is, that's Satan trying to get you to shame and guilt. Jesus is saying, lead, come to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And he's calling us back to him. And repentance leads to reconciliation, first with God, then with our neighbors. We see this played out in the reality of two of Jesus' disciples. Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. 30 pieces of silver. He paid 30 pieces of silver to give Jesus over to the leaders, the, the, the leaders of the time. And the Bible says that he felt regret. Judas felt regret. Matthew 27, verse 3, when Judas, who had betrayed him, Jesus, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. Okay? There's that moment of being coming face to face with our sin. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Verse 5, then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and he went out and hung himself. Hopelessness. Despair when faced with sin, shame and guilt and hopelessness leads to death, just like it says in 2 Corinthians. But contrast that with Peter. Contrast it with Peter. Peter also betrayed Jesus. Okay, he didn't hand him over to be murdered, but when asked if he knew Jesus, three times he denied him, even after being told that he would not deny him. At least Judas identified himself with Jesus before he betrayed him. Peter was like, nope. Matthew 26, verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You are one of those uh, with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied in front of everyone. I do not know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out, the gate, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied this with, his, with an oath. I do not even know the man, he said. Verse 73, a little later, some of other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse is on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away and wept bitterly. Peter was filled with his deep grief. And he mourned, and he wept over his sin. But look what that mourning produced. In the story of Peter, it led Peter to not separation, not to separate himself from the group like it did for Judas. He stayed with the believers. He stayed with the, the other disciples. And when Jesus, they got word that Jesus rose from the dead, Peter and John, they ran 
to the grave. He ran back to Jesus. He ran back to reconciliation. He ran back in repentance and he was reconciled with Christ. He didn't run away from Jesus. He ran to him. He didn't wallow in his shame and guilt. He repented, turned away from his sin and reconciled with Jesus. That's what we're called to do. When we come face to face with our sin, when we come in contact with our sin and God reveals it to us, sometimes sin we don't even know we had, when God brings it to light, he calls us to repentance and to reconciliation, which leads to life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Our sin should break our hearts. Not to cause guilt and shame because that leads to death. Our godly mourning leads us to repentance and repentance to reconciliation. Because of Jesus, I never have to do anything out of shame and guilt. If you feel shame and guilt when you come face to face with your sin and the gospel, that shame and guilt is not coming from God. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He calls us, yes, we grieve, yes, we mourn over our sin, but then he says, come to me. And I will give you rest. We find comfort. Jesus calls us from mourning to repentance and to reconciliation, which is life. That's what the gospel does. I'm not going to do my part. I'm not going to be a part of of standing up for for, uh, the oppressed or for racial reconciliation because of my shame and because of my guilt, but because I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And his love causes me to go out and to love other people. I was, it wasn't shame and guilt that led me out of my pornography addiction when I was a teenager. It was the gospel. It was Jesus. Repentance to reconciliation that restored my soul. It isn't shame and guilt that will lead you to reconcile your marriage or your relationships or to ease your anger or to humble you. It isn't. It is the gospel in where we find true comfort. Like it says here in the Beatitude. Because when we are broken over our sin, when we lean into godly mourning, we repent and we turn towards Jesus, which leads to salvation, which is the only place where you will try, you and I and us, we will ever truly find comfort. Blessed are those who mourn over our sin, over our brokenness, over our our shortcomings. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Church, please, allow God to break your heart. Allow God to break our hearts. May we mourn over our sin, whatever that might be. Yes, Okay, it's uncomfortable. It is. It's uncomfortable. But may godly mourning lead us to repentance and to reconciliation with God and with others. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is the blessed life. God, God, I pray for any of us that are wrestling with our sins, God, that your kindness would lead us to repentance. That it would lead to your comforting through the gospel, through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray for those who are naturally mourning right now. God, I think of, 
of all the things going on in our world. And God, how desperately we need your comfort. God, may you come. May you fill us with your spirit. May you comfort us in the only comfort that will truly comfort us, which is your presence. God, I pray for anybody out there right now that has never come face to face with their sin in this way. God, may your Holy Spirit bring on them this sense of brokenness so that you can restore, that you can bring back to them. God, I pray for anybody watching that isn't a Christian, that they would know it's your kindness that leads them to repentance. And that if they put their faith and trust in you, that you will give them peace, that you will give them life. That it's simply just accepting and saying, yes, Jesus, I want that. God, may you be glorified in our lives, that we can walk in spiritual prosperity. God, that you flip this narrative, this idea of what it means to be blessed, not what the world says it means to be blessed, but what you say, that we're dependent on you, that we're poor in spirit. For our, then ours is the kingdom, when we're poor in spirit. And God, may we mourn over our sin. May we be brokenhearted because we've rebelled against you. God, please don't allow that to lead to shame and to guilt because that's from Satan, not from you. But may it lead us to repentance, to reconciliation, and salvation through Christ alone. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.